I am thankful to have the opportunity to speak to you today about personal ministry. When Diana first asked me to share, like Chris, I was initially excited. I, my brain just bubbled over with ideas of things I wanted to share. What an opportunity to speak to a room full of women, women whom God has gifted to serve the church, women whom God has strategically placed in homes and neighborhoods and classrooms and workplaces for his purposes in the world. I hasten to dump all my thoughts and ideas into a Word document, but like Chris, eventually the panic set in. <laughs> I have never done something quite like this before. What have I gotten myself into? But as I look around the room, I think it's going to be easier than I anticipated because I love the women in this room, and you have shown through many acts of personal ministry that you love me too. In many ways, what I'm sharing today, I learned from you. Sometimes, as a pastor's wife, I have the privilege of being aware of ministry that's taking place that no one else sees. I'm sure I barely know the half of it, and God would have it that way, right? But what I do see is beautiful and instructive to me. I know you are already believing and doing the things I'll mention today because I hear and see them all the time. I also know I could never comprehensively cover the topic of personal ministry in 30 minutes. My prayer is simply that what I share today will spur you on. And like Paul prays in 1 Thessalonians 3.12, that the Lord would cause you to increase and abound still more in love for one another and for all. If you take a look at your notes, you'll see that I've chosen to begin by addressing the why of personal ministry. Why should we seek to minister to others? The short answer, because God has loved us in Christ. And God sends us to take his love to others. Jesus made this plain in John 20, 21. Jesus said to them, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. When we seek to minister to others, we are being used by God in his mission to love his people in Christ. Consider first how great God's love really is. Soak in this with me for a moment. God the Father sent his Son, whom he has loved and delighted in for all eternity, so that the love he has for his Son might be enjoyed by others. The son who loved his father and hungered to do his will came and laid down his life that he might bring many into the love of God. The father and son sent forth the life-giving spirit that dead sinners might awaken to the loveliness of Christ and share in the father's pleasure in him. This is what God has done for us. He has sent his Son and Spirit to bring us in to know his love. We learn of his love through his word. We experience and enjoy his love in prayer. We love him in return in personal worship. And when we minister to others, we join God in extending his love to others. 
Michael Reeves describes this concept so beautifully. He says, Energized and empowered by the Spirit, the Son goes out, bringing the blessing, liberty, and healing of his life-giving Father. And so it is for those in Christ. This is the life the children of God are called into. With hearts filled by the love of the Father, with an energy that comes from the Spirit and not ourselves. They share in the compassion of the Son and his pity for the weak and the lost. The Spirit remolds us so that we begin to find the Son's own joy in being like the Father with his concern for the world. I think of Ephesians 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself, gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. So, we seek to minister to others because God has loved us in Christ. He has sought us out to bring us in, into his love and life. And so we are compelled to love and care for others like God does and especially to bring them to know or know more deeply God's love and life. And here we have already begun to answer the next question you'll find on your notes. What is personal ministry anyway? Well, as we've already hinted at, it's love. It's Ephesians 5.1 that we just read. Personal ministry means being imitators of the Father who loved us while we were still sinners and sought us out to make us his children. Like verse 2 commands, it means walking in love towards others as Christ loved sacrificially. But personal ministry is not just imitation, it's participation. Whenever we minister to others, we participate in the Spirit's work to bring and keep many in the love of God. All of that really is happening every time you truly minister to others, even in the smallest ways. This sounds glorious, doesn't it? Or maybe it just sounds overwhelming. Let's try to get a little more practical and specific. What is this kind of love supposed to look like in our everyday lives? There are two aspects of personal ministry I want to highlight. Both are included in 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which reads, So, being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you had become very dear to us. Love prompted Paul to share two things with the Thessalonians, the gospel of God and himself. Let's tease this out further. What's indicated here when Paul says he was ready to share himself with the Thessalonians? It reminds me of Dan's definition of love. Can you say it with me? Love is to give what I have that you need because God wants me to. That's right. So what needs do you see around you? Do you notice a need for encouragement or discipleship? Do you notice someone on the fringes that needs to be drawn in? 
Do you have a coworker who needs prayer for her marriage? Do you have a neighbor that needs to hear the gospel? If you open if your eyes are open, you will see all these needs and more. Well, what do you have to give? Remember 1 Thessalonians 2:8. Paul gave himself. What could giving yourself to others look like? Could you offer a smile, a listening ear, and a genuine interest in the life of a teenager who goes to our church? Could you think up some good questions to draw out that newcomer? Could you prepare and deliver a meal to someone who's facing something difficult? Could you ask someone how you can be praying for them and then actually do it? Could you open your life to a neighbor so that in time you might come to know what needs they have? This is where personal ministry begins. Yes, that's right. All the lofty theological things I mentioned earlier are not unrelated to these simple acts of care. It is the soil that personal ministry grows best in. Personal ministry moves toward others through everyday conversations and simple acts of kindness. But it doesn't end there. Paul didn't just share himself. He also shared the gospel. If love is to give what I have that you need because God wants me to, it must be said, the most precious thing you possess is God's revelation of himself in the person of Christ, the gospel, as revealed in the scriptures. And every person's greatest need, whether an unbeliever or a believer, whether firmly established in the faith or teetering on the edge of apostasy, whether happily flourishing or deeply struggling, every person's greatest need is met in Christ. How do we minister to this need? Through speaking the word, through prayer. Are you seeking to do this as you minister to others? How could your ministry be made more word-rich? How could you incorporate sharing the word and prayer into the ministry you are already doing? Personal ministry seeks to do this highest kind of good to others. Personal ministry seeks to give the very best of what we have in our relationships with others. With a special focus on other people's spiritual good. This is so important to understand. In its essence, personal ministry is not a program to participate in. It is not a ministry role that you fill. It is a way of life, a way of relating to others. It is moving towards the needs that you see around you, bearing burdens, staying close in suffering, and lovingly sharing Christ in word and deed. I hope you're struck by two things so far. First, I want you to be struck by how very simple and ordinary this ministry to others is. Perhaps you felt unqualified to minister to others. I want you to see that personal ministry can take the shape of the simplest acts of kindness. Chances are you are already walking in a lot of personal ministry. But I also want you to be struck by how truly extraordinary the love that we've been called to walk in is. 
I want you to see that our love for others is to be patterned after the love God has shown us in Christ. And it's aimed at helping others to know and walk in that love for themselves. We do this especially as we learn to make use of the word and prayer when we move toward others. All right, now that we've discussed the why and the what, let's consider who. Who should we seek to minister to? There are two categories I want to highlight in answering this question. They're actually both mentioned in Paul's prayer that I shared earlier. In 1 Thessalonians 3.12, Paul prayed, May the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all. When Paul prays that the Thessalonians would increase and abound in love for one another, he is praying that Christians would love each other, that is, the other Christians around them. As Christians love one another, seeking the highest good in ministry to one another, the church is built up. This is God's plan. Ed Welch, in his short and helpful book, Caring for One Another, says, Imagine an interconnected group of people who entrust themselves to each other. You can speak of your pain, and someone responds with compassion and prayer. You can speak of your joys, and someone shares in them with you. You can even ask for help with sinful struggles, and someone prays with you, offers hope and encouragement from Scripture, and sticks with you until sin no longer seems to have the upper hand. There is openness, freedom, friendship, bearing burdens together, and giving and receiving wisdom. No trite responses. And Jesus is throughout it all. Beautiful, isn't it? Friends, this kind of skillful one-another ministry helps those who already know God's love to remain in it to grow in their experience of it. This is God's plan for his people. But remember also the second category. Who else did Paul pray that the Thessalonians would increase and abound in love for? All. All people. This draws the circle a little bigger, doesn't it? It's not just other Christians we're called to love. Like God's love overflowed, reaching beyond the fellowship of Father, Son, and Spirit in the salvation of sinners, our love should overflow to those outside. Where has God placed you in contact with people who are outside the church? Do you have classmates, co-workers, or neighbors that do not know the love of God? How could you be used by God to extend his love to these? Don't forget that everyday conversations and the simplest acts of kindness can be a bridge to so much more. In my life, neighbors are my primary contact with those outside the church. I want to encourage you with this. God has used my very frail attempts at opening my life and home to others to give many meaningful opportunities for personal ministry. Opportunities to pray with a woman when it seemed there was no hope for her marriage. 
to answer practical questions about marriage and parenting while pointing to the character of God as my pattern, to speak words of hope that go beyond the grave to a dying man and his wife, to read the Bible and pray with a woman who had a long history of abuse and mental illness, to offer a widow a place to eat Christmas dinner, sing some hymns, and enjoy the company of Christians. I do not share these things to set myself up as a shining example because I am not. My efforts to reach out to my neighbors comes in fits and starts, and it doesn't look like anything extraordinary. I know you have everyday connections like this too, and I know you are seeking to be faithful in them. Keep loving, serving, and speaking words of life to the people God has placed around you. Before we move on, I want to add here that most of us have persons in both of these categories living at home with us. If you feel discouraged because your many responsibilities at home seem to stand in the way of personal ministry, don't forget. Your love and service and truth speaking at home is personal ministry too. Don't overlook your closest neighbors. If God is calling you to grow in personal ministry, start by assessing your ministry to these ones whom God has most definitely called you to minister. Are there ways you could step up your game as a minister of reconciliation to your kids? Could you refresh the saint that is your husband in some ways that you may currently be neglecting? Maybe you live with elderly parents or in-laws whom you're caring for. This is ministry too. All right, moving on. Do you have constraints or limitations? Of course you do, right? I do too. <laughs> Let's talk about some of those things that seem to stand in the way of our pursuing personal ministry. And as we do, I hope to convince you that these limitations are actually God's providential hand, guiding your feet into the very good works he has prepared for you to walk in. The first constraint I want to address is time. This is a big one, isn't it? I know basically nobody that has a bunch of extra time on their hands. <laughs> Some of you feel like you're doing a lot, but you're not doing a lot of personal ministry. You feel overwhelmed at the thought of how you could possibly add more to your already overburdened schedule. I want to suggest that you're very likely doing a lot more personal ministry than you think. The right question may not be, how can I add more ministry to my life? But rather, how can I grow as a minister in the relationships and responsibilities that I already have? I want to list a few examples of ways that you could leverage your life as it currently is with all its duties and unique opportunities for kingdom purposes. Not every idea will be a good fit for every person. Just think of this as a brainstorming session. How about creative use of nap time or maybe your lunch break from work? Could you use one of those time slots each week to read the Bible with a coworker or a neighbor? Could you FaceTime with a sister in Christ to hold one another accountable to scripture memory and prayer? Could you handwrite a note of encouragement and drop it in the mail? 
Each of these ideas would require about an hour of your time and may easily be slipped into your normal weekly responsibilities. What about concluding your personal time in the Word by sending a quick text to someone about what encouraged you? It only takes about five minutes. Could you use your commute to pray for people? Carrie mentioned that that can be a distracting time to pray, but perhaps you could say a quick prayer, maybe after parking. (laughs) And then just send a quick text to let them know about it. This only takes a few minutes, but it, it really can mean so much. Could you invite a younger woman along as you parent your littles as a form of discipleship? Or maybe invite that mom down the street to meet you at a splash pad and you can share your faith while you watch your kids play. These ideas require no extra time. Remember I said I wanted to help you view your constraints as God's providence? This is something God illustrated for me a few months ago when my washing machine backed up. With a full week of responsibilities on my calendar and about eight loads of laundry in my hamper, my washing machine overflowed one Monday morning. It was going to be a few days before all would be in working order, so the next morning I set out at 6 a.m. for the nearest laundromat. I got the clothes going, sat down to read my Bible, occasionally pausing to complain in prayer to God that I did not have time to be dealing with a broken washer. I especially felt discouraged because I had recently made a good connection with a couple of neighbors, and I wanted so badly to follow up with them soon. My broken washer is hindering me, I thought, until the Lord helped me to see otherwise. As I sat reading my Bible, waiting on my clothes to dry, a gentleman came and sat next to me and asked me what I was reading. I told him, and the Lord opened a door to share the gospel there in the laundromat. As I drove home, I repented to the Lord for not trusting him in my circumstances and rejoiced to remember that God is the one who has prepared good works for me to walk in. Another constraint you may feel is mobility. Maybe you don't have your license yet, or you have your license, but you don't always have access to a car. I've experienced this limitation myself, sometimes due to children's nap needs, sometimes due to temporarily being a one-car family. Shortly after moving to Fort Worth to serve at CBC, both became the case for me. Bethany was born just a few weeks after we arrived, so I was adjusting to meeting the needs of three small children, and at the same time, we encountered some car trouble that brought us down to one car. I had anticipated my husband's first pastoral position opening many new opportunities for ministry. Instead, I felt stuck hindered in my ability to minister to others. But God surprised me with a truly open door for ministry to someone who lived about 20 feet from my doorstep and who was also limited in her mobility. I might have never gotten to know her, to read the Bible and pray with her if I hadn't been stuck at home. Again, God's providence was at work in my limitations. The next limitation I want to talk about is health. 
I know many of you face health challenges that feel like a real hindrance to your ability to minister to others. I do not want to minimize the ache of longing that you feel to have the energy to do more or to be free of the pain that holds you back. I have heard the discouragement in your voice. I want you to know, though, that God is using your suffering. You may feel hindered by your health, but God is not. He is using your example of patient endurance to help many in our body. He is proving the sufficiency of his grace and the surpassing value of knowing Jesus. But your ministry is not just in your example. The door to certain kinds of ministry may be closed to you at this time, but others are wide open precisely because of your health challenges. Some of you feel your more reserved personality hinders you in personal ministry. Sister, I want to encourage you. You do not have to be the kind of person that tends to carry the conversation to love others well. In fact, your quiet demeanor may be the context another woman, maybe the newcomer or the outlier, needs to open up. Just move toward people. Don't be afraid of awkwardness or silence. Ask good questions. Listen well. God can use you. The next limitation I want to talk about is resources. You may feel limited in your ability to minister to others because you lack certain resources. You may feel like your home isn't large enough or nice enough to use in ministry the way you would like. Maybe your spouse or someone else you live with doesn't know the Lord, and so your home can't be used for hospitality, even though you really want to. I want to encourage you to think creatively about how you might extend hospitality anyway. Maybe instead of inviting someone to your home, you could invite them to picnic with you at the park. This counts as hospitality. Maybe an extremely tight grocery budget makes hospitality difficult. Simple and inexpensive food shared in love is a glorious expression of hospitality. But remember, the best thing you have to share is God's word. And you can be rich and generous with it in every relationship. This is the highest kind of good you can do to others. Point them to Christ by sharing the word, by praying for and with them. Don't let a lack of resources of whatever kind hold you back. Lastly, opportunity. Sometimes we can think we're limited in personal ministry because we're not being given opportunities to minister, as if the church or church leadership is holding us back from being able to minister to others. I think this can happen when we think of ministry mainly in terms of a program. Ministry is a role that I fill. Instead of remembering that it is more fundamentally a way of relating to others, moving toward the needs you see around you. We all have endless opportunities for personal ministry, discipleship, evangelism, encouraging other saints, serving other saints, prayer, hospitality, 
The people around you have endless needs to receive ministry. I guarantee that all of you right now have more opportunities to engage in personal ministry than you could possibly take. Don't feel hindered by a lack of opportunity. On the other hand, it is true that we don't all have the same opportunities. Some of you don't have the opportunities that others do for various reasons, and that is okay. Remember, your circumstances, your limitations, are not outside God's control. They are part of what God is using to guide your feet into the very good works he prepared for you before the foundation of the world. At every moment, in every situation, you have everything you need to live out the purpose for which God made you. There is one actual hindrance to personal ministry that I want to warn you about, though. I know because my own ministry has been hindered by it. It is pride. Of course, pride can manifest in ministry in any number of ways. But today I'll mention two common ones. We can be hindered in ministry to others when we believe whatever spiritual gifts God has given us are mostly about personal fulfillment. This is totally backwards. The gifts God has given you belong to the church. They are for her edification, not primarily for your own. Another way pride can manifest is when we think of ourselves only as the giver of personal ministry, not as one in need of the ministry of the rest of the body. We could all get better at receiving personal ministry from others. Listening carefully and taking to heart the words of encouragement offered by others, even those parts of the body who may not seem as firmly established as you, it's even a good practice to invite others to minister to you by honestly sharing your struggles, by asking someone to hold you accountable in an area of weakness. And finally, how can you grow as a minister? I've got four things for you. Number one, pray for it. List areas in which you have need of growth. Select a verse of scripture to memorize and regularly pray through, asking that God would grow you in love, compassion, zeal for the lost, generosity. Pray also for people that you might have opportunity to minister to. Regularly pray for your neighbors and coworkers. You may not even know their name yet, but you can ask God to work in their life, and if he will, use you to do it. Pray for your fellow church members and ask God to open up opportunities to love and serve them. Number two, read a book. I've got a small stack here that I recommend. I've got books on the topic of personal ministry, hospitality, and neighbor ministry. I've even got one on how to get better at asking good questions. But it doesn't have to be a book about some aspect of personal ministry. 
Any theologically rich book that helps you to understand the gospel better will help you in your ministry to others. I can't emphasize enough the value of reading in the life of a minister. So read a book. Number three, minister the word to yourself. Make a daily habit of preaching the gospel to your own soul. Rehearse the word often. Recall it in your moments of need. This practice will bear fruit in your ministry to others. And lastly, go ahead and minister. Ladies, I am not the minister that I want to be. I have need of growth in many areas. So many of my attempts to serve are not at all rousing successes. They're made in great weakness, but I'm learning to be content with weakness and even boast in them so that the power of Christ may rest on me. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, thank you for these women. Thank you for their hearts to minister. I pray that you would give them grace to serve you in the fellowship of the church and in the extension of your kingdom in the world. I pray you would help them to set forth Christ to people, to paint him in his love and excellency and ability to save. When they feel unsure or ill-equipped or out of their league in their efforts to minister to others, help them to remember that it is when they are weak and therefore utterly dependent on Christ's power that they are strong. And may Christ be glorified through them. Amen.